live one. You took it too far. Well, I have uh, two people with me. Well, not with me. They're virtually with me through a computer somewhere on the internet. I'm very excited. This is the culmination of the podcast is what this is. This is what the other episodes have been building toward. And I'm okay with saying that because I know that no one else that I've had on here is going to go back and listen to this because they definitely <laughs> just listen to their own. But I have Harold and Rhiannon Rogers on You Took It Too Far today. Two very funny, talented people. And I was ecstatic when you guys said that you would do it. So thank you for being here. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, Charlie. This is right next to Comedians in Cars on my vision board. You took it too far. This is, this is a dream come true. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> Me and Seinfeld are right next to each other on their board. I've been waiting for that text for when you invited us to be on. I've been praying it would come. Well, I, what I, I was hoping to get you guys like at some point, like if you visited, like I wanted to actually get you in the studio because it's so much more fun and, you know, personable to do like actually in that crammed little crappy studio on Miami's campus. But, yeah. This this the the bad thing about the the quarantine. You got to do everything with these videos, and that's I need that that person that face to face. I need to feel how a person feels when I'm talking to them. And you want to talk about something difficult with uh, trying to get uh, comedians on a Zoom call? Is who interrupts people more? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm because <laughs> in three people talking to each other that are going to constantly interrupt each other, which you can do when you're in person. Everybody wants to talk. When you're at a yeah. table full of comedians, isn't that like the most volatile? Like, you're yelling over people. I mean, you're, 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 I mean, remember like our not very funny meetings, we would just scream over people <laughs> to say what we thought was funny. If we thought it was funnier, it was being said louder. That, that's the trick, honestly. Sometimes just the louder you say something, the funnier it is. Yeah, that's true. That, that's been working for me. That's my whole career, Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> Your stick is just speak loud and carry a smaller yeah. stick than average, probably, I'm guessing. But <laughs> Harold's so shrill. <laughs> you go get, so high on stage. He, he really does. <laughs> yeah, people always make fun of me, me for that, that I go high. But, you know, that's... Almost do like a Seinfeld screech. Yeah, that's, that's, that's how my voice naturally goes when I, because I feel like when you're doing stand-up, you should just be like kind of exaggerating how you're, you really speak, how your personality is, and my voice goes that way, so if I'm on stage, I just like up it a little bit. Oh, I should say for those that are listening, because I know I have friends from my hometown that listen, Harold, Rhiannon, Rogers, brother and sister, not like married couple or anything like that. Twins. Twin, twin brother and sisters. <laughs> sister <laughs> yeah we're twin brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters. What, what's the technical term for the type of twin because there's the two types we're of twins. okay oh i thought i thought you meant like brazilian <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's talk about your race and your, <laughs> and your nationality yeah. do you guys have d dual citizenship we do oh yeah that's cool so yeah. like because, how often do you go to brazil uh, we try to go twice a year when we can. Our childhood was very confusing with how we were raised, so it's it's very weird telling people where we're from because we were raised between, like, both places. We were raised, like, partially during the year we'd be in Ohio, and then the other part we would be in Rio de Janeiro, and we spoke Portuguese first, but we, like, learned English right after, so it was, like, at the same time, and it's confusing. Oh, you learned Portuguese first? 
Yeah, and we were like, we'd be homeschooled for half of the school year to like eighth grade in Brazil. Oh. So we're, we're homeschoolers, that's why we're weird. Oh, that explains <laughs> so much. <laughs> so when, but, um, and you guys are from arguably the coolest town in Ohio, in my opinion, the home of Dean Martin. <laughs> You're literally the, like the only person that knows that under 80. <laughs> <laughs> that's a cool, like, and I think I've asked Rhiannon that before. Like, do you guys, have, are there any like tributes or anything to Dean? Oh Martin? yeah, there's a Dean Martin festival every year. Oh, we yeah. bring an impersonator out. There's a huge mural on the side of Kroger's. I sang at the Dean Martin festival once. My grandma was very happy to see that happen. What did you sing? Um, I think I sang, what did I sing? Do you remember? I don't know. What's the, it's the pizza pie song. And oh, uh, what else you got? Matamore. What's your favorite Dean Martin song, Charlie? My favorite Dean Martin song is probably Little Old Wine Drinker Me. I don't even know that. <laughs> I've never heard of it. It's, it's, like, I feel like uh, when you're relaxing at home alone, I feel like you got a glass of scotch and you got a record player playing like Rat Pack records. That is 100% what happens. That is, <laughs> you're leaving out the cigar, but other than that, yes, 100%. <laughs> My favorite thing that happened was when we were headed over to Chris, Chris's apartment, when we went to visit, I was like, I bet you Charlie's going to show up dressed to the nines, even though he said he was sick, with a bottle of wine, hair slicked back, and he's going to come and be like, I brought you guys wine, so good to see you. And you literally walked in wearing like a trench coat, holding a <laughs> bottle of wine. <laughs> lost it. Like, <laughs> oh, it you, know, you guys were making a bet about how I was going to show. I was sick. Oh, my God, I felt terrible. But you I, probably I, had I, coronavirus. Yeah, I probably – can, can we address right off the bat the people that are saying, yeah, I had it like, you know, six months ago. It was a cold for me. Okay, straight up, though, Rhiannon fucking had coronavirus, and she's probably responsible for half the deaths in New York. You, wait, well, you I did, I got, so from, like, I think it was, like, March 5th, I got, like, violently ill. Like, I couldn't, like, leave my apartment, but my friends uh, came to visit in New York, and <laughs> I felt like I was being a bad host. Like, I had a fever. I, like, couldn't breathe. I was... Yeah, you were a terrible host for letting them come Listen, over while you were... Well, <laughs> well, they came, and then I got sick, like, that day. I thought oh, I was getting, like, a little cold, and then I got, like, really sick. The first day, I didn't go out, and then, like, the next, like, three that they were there, I was like, I'll tough it out. <laughs> we'll go see the side. I always hold the same thing when people I don't like come over to. I'm like, oh, I'm sick. It's <laughs> she, she, she went to a comedy show. She rode the subway up and down yeah. and across. And then, I went to one of the most populated areas of the city. I went to like the High Line, which is like this like stretch of park where everybody is very close together and walking all in like the same space. Oh, I, that's what I kind of want to start with. I'm sorry. What was that? So you were already talking over each other because of Zoom. <laughs> I blame Zoom, honestly. Zoom, it is Zoom. If we were together, a, we wouldn't be doing this. There's a delay on like hearing people's. I've learned that. So this is my third one doing this, and it's still kind of hard to know when people are about to talk. Yeah, we'll have to like redo this once in person. You, when everything's calmed down in New York, you should come visit. I would love to do that. I've been I, I've been to New York twice, and I it's my favorite place on planet Earth. I've been inviting you since I since forever since we moved there. I've been inviting you. I'm like, ah, no. 
I it's mean, the best city in the country. It, I mean, yeah, well, it's definitely the best city in the United States. I mean, it just beats out Steubenville, Ohio, for me. Barely, just by like a smidge. I can't, I'm a little. We kind of, you kind of glossed over that. The best Dino gets is a mural on the side of a, a Kroger. He also has like a little. <laughs> it's a big mural. It's very nice. It's a big mural. It's but, very well done on the side of the Kroger where people do heroin as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful mural. There's fucking used needles strewn all over the ground and right passed out hobos. This one's for you, Dino. Like. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, my grandma's like favorite like artist of all time is Dean Martin. She has like his picture hung up in a room. Like some people have like Jesus pictures, like really Catholic people. Hers is like Dean Martin, and it's like above her bed. <laughs> she loves him so much. We take her to the mural every time she's here, and then we take her to like the sign that says "Home of Dean Martin." And I feel like this is our Brazilian grandma too, who has Brazilian nothing grandma. to do with. Yeah. Nothing well, that just shows that his music transcended borders. It did. It did. <laughs> it's international. Okay, I'm curious, Charlie. What is the most like recent music you listen to? Like, like I mean, obviously, I know songs. Like, you know, yeah, but you know, but like and listen to like Lil Uzi. Do you listen to his last tape? That's that's what I am after too many glasses of you wine. <laughs> Uh, no, I was like, and this is like a cop out because it, it, you know, it's basically just people making. I listen to like a lot of Americana. That okay. It's basically like country music that sounds like it's really old, but they're writing it now. So that's, it's kind of a cop a out. <laughs> like who? <laughs> uh, like Coulter Wall, Sturgill Simpson, uh, okay. Charlie Charlie Crockett. I don't Charlie know. Crockett. That, he sounds like someone who fought at the Alamo. <laughs> I think he like took that. That's like a stage name. Um, I think, but yeah, like I listen to a lot of that, but like when you're talking like pop music, oh, I t I'll tell you what, guilty pleasure for me, a little T-Swift. I can do, I can do some Taylor, Taylor Swift. I'm with you a hundred percent, Charlie. Oh yeah. We went to see her in concert when we were like younger to see her red. I think we went to see her for her red Have album. you guys seen like, ever, like you were at the taping for the newest Seinfeld special, weren't you? We were. Yeah, that was just serendipitous. We lucked into that. We were walking by, my friend Carla was with us. We were going to like take her to like a comedy show. We were going to go to like the stand or something. And then we walked by and we saw Jerry Seinfeld like um filming tonight at the beacon sold out sold out and then Man. like we were like joking around we were like oh it's probably not sold out this was like two hours before it started we were like no way it's sold out and carla like looked it up um and she was like there's three tickets left and they're side by side like we have to go and so we ended up getting them for like a really good price too and yeah they were like 200 dollar tickets we got them for like 50 bucks yeah it was Man. crazy because i wanted to see seinfeld when he was like i think he was in like detroit or like mm. you know somewhere like maybe like columbus or something but the yeah. tickets are like those are tough tickets yeah like i think the ones like they were like 300 350 dollars or something yeah it would have been yeah, i mean it was probably expensive and then they dropped because it was like a couple hours before the show but it was also like across it's the beacon is like about a street up from where we live so well let's do a little chronological tracking because i like to do that for these uh, podcast episodes so we met at miami university not very funny yeah. what made you guys like so not very funny people i'm sure that people who listen by now know that that's the stand-up comedy i'm no longer in it by the way i don't know if you guys knew yeah that. i heard knew that uh, i knew that but uh, it's the stand-up comedy club at Miami, and 
uh, you guys, wh what made you guys want to do it? Did you guys always love stand-up? Like, Harold, when did you start doing it? Rhiannon, you don't do it as much, but you're really good at it, and I wish you would do it more. Thank you. I'll let Harold so, go ahead and do this first. So, I mean, we, we always, like, comedy movies was huge for us growing up, but stand-up, I just remember, like, one time in high school, Rhiannon started watching, like, Tom Segura specials, and, like, I would, she was, like, watching them obsessively, and I'd see her watching them, and I was, like, I, I, I was shitting on it first. I was like, that's nothing. Like, that's lame. And then in college, my freshman year of college, I, I got into Carlin videos on YouTube, and I was really into those. So I was just like, wow, I really like stand-up, but I wasn't going to do anything with it until Rhiannon met Mackenzie, and she ended up saying that we should go to this Not Very Funny show. And I was like, oh, shit. You know, this looks like something I could do. These people aren't too good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, like, I I mean, I just, it's, in high school, like, I found, like, Laugh Factory videos on YouTube. So I would just, like, I watched all of those. And then I watched, like, all of, the, like, the This Is Not Happening videos on YouTube. And I was like, oh, like, these are so funny. And then I started to get into stand-up and watch specials. Harold didn't get it. So you kind of started out with like more recent, like if you're saying Tom Segura, so you were more exposed to like newer comedy right off the bat. Right off the bat. And then I went like back. And, and then we go you back. Know. See, yeah. I was like the opposite. I didn't start listening to recent comedians until I started doing comedy because I wanted to know like what was happening in the, like my, I, I remember my very first time hearing stand up was my grandma loved George Carlin. She <laughs> had a, she had a eight track. I think it was an eight track tape. Wow. Of a class clown, and she played the seven dirty words for me, and I thought that was the funniest I thing. Ever in my life. <laughs> the the bit for me that got me was um was two of them. One bit that he was doing on on the Ten Commandments that I said I said to everybody, and no one thought it was as funny as I did, but I was like <laughs> obsessed. And then the, the the list of people who want to die, <laughs> I really oh love. oh my god, I love that one. That uh, Carlin was such a good writer. You know, I think that that, I mean, he was a good performer too. I mean, don't get me wrong, but could you imagine how hard it is to like memorize those, like where he would just go on and on with the lists and how- Yeah, it was like poems almost. Like Modern like, Man is basically just like, it's insane. It's like his uh, football versus football bit. Yeah. I heard that one where he just goes on and on about like the offensive line and the, the long ball attacks from the commander and shit. Like, it, like, I mean, I'm like, oh my God, how could he- I can barely remember one-liners. Yeah. <laughs> we were doing like full pages. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a lot of work <laughs> to get that. Yeah. Harold, how was your first time ever doing stand-up? Oh, so I remember the date very clearly because it was, <laughs> it was May 2nd, 2017. It was the day I tore my ACL for the first time too. <laughs> I went up on stage and I've, I've watched this a lot of times since and I fucking it was terrible, but I, I did well. I got a good response. I was getting laughs, so I thought I was killer. And then, and I actually made a joke that night. I was like talking about women's sports or something. I said, you know, if Serena Williams has a baby. It's like people talk about her like she tore her ACL or something. And then that night I tore my ACL playing soccer. <laughs> I was looking over some old notes of mine, like my very, my freshman year before I found out about not very funny, I was pondering doing standup. So I, and I just changed my major to creative writing. So I was trying to do like funny little scribbling bits. 
And I looked back at those the other day, and that is some of the most unfunny writing I've ever read in my entire life. <laughs> Thank yeah. God I didn't get a chance to take any of this on stage. It's tough to Do you remember the first joke you wrote? I think one of the first jokes I wrote was, uh, and I'm actually, I found this note and I'm working on a real bit about it now, but it was an anti-hunting bit. Yeah. Because I, it was it was recently when I went back to one of my friend's house and they were having a family party because he was in the Coast Guard and he came back to visit and they threw a big party and we went over there. And you know how people take like filet, like steak, filet mignon and wrap it in bacon? Uh-huh. Yeah. It's delicious. And I thought that's what they had in this big tray. And I grabbed them and I, it was venison. And it was, I, I mean, I don't know if you guys like like venison, like deer meat. No. I never ate it. Game stuff is the most I don't eat a lot of meat. Thing. I took a bite of it and I was like, what the? I thought it was, <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's venison. And I, have, I was like, haven't you heard of Kroger? <laughs> just go buy me this is gross <laughs> and then that like aggravated me enough to try and write something about it and it's just uh now i'm actually trying to do something with it but my scribblings about it back then were so nonsensical yeah. nothing took the form of a punchline <laughs> i remember the first the first joke i did in my set that i that got laughs was um it was the premise was uh Shit people says that annoys me, which is That's my entire it, <laughs> and it was like um uh, it was God every it's all part of God's plan or something. I was like it, it was something like uh you have mosquitoes that if you they bite you you'll bleed out of your eyes. Who let them make such a shitty plan? <laughs> and I'm like, if you're jerking off with scissors, you might cut your dick. But uh, do earthquake? Do gay people cause earthquakes? I don't know. <laughs> that kind of reminds me of that George Carlin bit that he does about God, where he's like, you know, and he goes on one of his long lists where he's like, disease, destruction, genocide, starvation, blah, blah. and he's like, yeah, this is not the resume of a qualified supreme being. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a great joke. That's who, probably who I was copying without even realizing. It. You were definitely trying to like emulate that. Do you, probably. Who's the first person you saw live ever? The first Charlie. person I saw, like, uh, like oh, like at a comedy show. Yeah. Yeah, like a real professional. Mulaney. Really? At Miami? No, I went and saw him in Cincinnati my freshman year. Oh. What did you think? Oh, I thought it was amazing. I mean, yeah. I mean, but I like, but like, he was just happened to be, he was happened to be the first person that I saw, like in a show. But I mean, I was watching stand up like way before that. Yeah. So it was like a recent find for me, like in starting in college. Oh, okay. I didn't really know much about him. In I, don't, I don't really I think, go ahead. Okay. I like, I really like John Mulaney. I think he's like a great writer. I think he's a great stand-up comedian. The thing I don't like is the people who like say they like love John Mulaney. It's like all white people. It's the worst people in the world. The people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I love John Mulaney, but it's like, ugh, I just don't want to be associated with that. Like, I kind of admire him for that because I would almost say that like, there's a couple of comedians doing that right now. Like John Mulaney, like mm-hmm. has left the comedy circle and he's getting mass appeal. Yeah. Like, people who don't know stand up watch John Mulaney. Right. I'll tell you who also does that with older people, Sebastian Maniscalco. Yes. Yeah. Who's a killer though. Who's a killer. Oh, yeah. he, well, he's like my favorite living comedian. 
He's so funny. And that's I, like I, a great way of like um, that talk, what we mentioned before um, we actually started the podcast was um, that exaggerated like way of speech, I think actually. Yeah. yeah. He talks like that in person, but when he's on stage, it's just escalated. It's just like a little more. You got a good Maniscalco, Rannon. Yeah, you yeah. Do, I was just about to say, would you do your Maniscalco? Because do the peacock bit. See if I can do it <sighs> on command. Um, you, you got a peacock on your shoulder at the airport? You got a peacock? <laughs> your friends let you go to the airport with a peacock on your shoulder? Well, aren't you embarrassed? <laughs> <laughs> that was so bad, but... I know. I thought it was pretty. He's a hard to do. I normally, mean, normally I can do it. I just, I just feel the pressure of the pod. Yeah. Um, there's twenty. There's going to be like a, approximately fifteen people listening to this later. So oh, and they're all going to fucking talk shit on me <laughs> for doing a well, terrible impression. But you heard it when I I went to Miami. I think I did it for you. It was really good. And he's just. I mean, it's a tough. Like it's like that thick Chicago accent. You know. He re- just real Italian American Chicago. I'm so like, Italian. It's like my father when I was growing up. My father, like he, <laughs> yeah. he's like, and he stretches things out so nice. Yeah. He's like, why would I pay for delivery? I got you. Go get the pizza. Like he did. Like yeah, he's like, oh, like the way like he like hits certain words like linguistically is like really like impressive. Like on a on a stage like his I'm surprised <laughs> I like Man Falco so much because he's not really a joke jokey joke writer. Yeah. I think he's like Seinfeld. I think he gets a lot from Seinfeld. I think he de- I think I think if I remember correctly, Maniscalco said his two big influences is Maniscalco and John Ritter for the physical comedy of John Ritter. You mean Seinfeld and John Ritter? Yeah, Maniscalco said that he Seinfeld and John Ritter like his two biggest influences. Yeah. And you know, I think like uh you see, like, if you watch, like, Seinfeld, like, that 98 special, which is still holds up, I think. I watched it recently. I'm telling you for the last time. Yeah. Oh, my God. He, you can see so much Carlin in his act. Like, yes. people think he's, like, Seinfeld's, like, squeaky clean or whatever, but there's such an edge of meanness. It's like Carlin. Like, yeah. Like, his TSA bit about, like, he's like, this is our front line of defense. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, but okay, so you guys started doing stand-up at Miami, and then now you're living in New York, which yeah. is, mm-hmm. because, Harold, you're going to Columbia, am I right? Yep. And you're getting an MFA. And women's studies. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> We're not talking about your personal hobbies, Harold. We're talking about... <laughs> <laughs> so you guys both moved there, and then, so yeah. how, that's been like a year now, right? Yeah, we moved yeah. there, not not exactly a year, August 13th last year. Okay, so we're creeping up on a year. And you guys got out of there before the shit hit the fan. Yeah, weirdly, we, um, so our parents were going to come visit us because our birthday was March 14th. And they were like, oh, we're going to come for the weekend, like get dinner or whatever. And like the week before, I was like, I don't know. And then eventually Harold got on board. And we were like, maybe you guys shouldn't come. And then they were like, oh, well, would you guys come visit us? Like, we'd love to see you. And we were like, sure, we'll come for like three days. And we've- And my dad texted us a picture of this 
grounded owl he saw outside. It was an owl during the day standing up. And I was high as fuck, and I interpret that as a very bad omen. I was yeah. like, if you guys come, you're going to die. Yeah. Harold was, like, genuinely concerned, too. I was scared to death. Harold, like, walked into his room. He's like, I don't think Mom and Dad should come. <laughs> and I was like, why? He's like, Dad's going to die. He, had, he saw that owl on the ground. <laughs> Dad's going to die. I was like, okay. <laughs> well, I'm glad you guys got out of there. I, when everything started happening, I was, like, really worried for, like, a split second because it was, oh, my God, are they still in New York? Like, I was like. Yeah. It, it was very, like, the week before we left was very, it was eerie because people started to kind of like get worried and you could see people like kind of like the demeanor changing of people that were like walking around I saw like a really bad omen it was like the like the night I think before we left or two nights I was walking like to get Starbucks like at night and I went across the street and I saw a lady we lost her. head busted on like busted open on the ground and it was just she's bleeding it was insane like people were surrounding her they called the ambulance and i was like oh my god oh my god yeah it was crazy and then like (laughs) yeah i was still doing mics up until the day the nba got canceled the next day i was like uh, it's this is probably serious yeah well i mean let's let's just dive right into that then i mean you're like how many times a week are you getting up on stage harold I remember I was like really in a good rhythm. In February, I got up 62 times, I think, total. God, you could almost get good at it if you get to do it that much. Yeah, I know. Like a couple, some days I was going like five times. That's amazing, man. I, I cannot wait until I someday have the opportunity to try and get, I don't know. I, I haven't been focusing on stand-up as much as I should be with all this happening. Like, are you guys still... Rihanna, do you write stand-up at all anymore? Like I do. I went up a couple times in New York. I was oh, gonna. Good. I started to. <laughs> I was gonna start going up more, and um, I had plans to go up that Monday, um, but then we came here and got stuck here. I had no idea that you were going. Like you went up a couple times. How how are you? How did you go? I know Harold's doing pretty well from what you guys have told me. How did you do? Yeah. Um. I mean, I went up in like a small room. It was. It was like good. I. I felt like comfortable. It's, it's weird. It's weird. (laughs) But like at first, but I'm sure like I'll get used to it once I start getting back into it. But I, I write, like I still write, like I have a lot of like material. I was, uh, my 2020 somehow started out. Um, it started out terrible, (laughs) which gave me some, like, uh, some stuff to work on, write about, which was fun, which is what got me kind of going up. And then, uh, (laughs) <laughs> coronavirus happened so hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> through, i almost like it when bad stuff happens to me well not too bad of stuff I yeah know. i know what you mean but yeah. sometimes like yeah. someone invites me to a party and i know i don't like the people there i go anyway just so i get material <laughs> I, I went out with this in october i went out with this <laughs> white supremacist russian girl who hated me and was yeah. terrible to me just because i got a really good bit out of it <laughs> so she- she was so horrible. Harold would come home all the time. She, she, Nova. she was like, she was like very wealthy and she would go out. To Her dad owned a train company in Switzerland. Yeah. I would have stuck so, it out. I don't know. So she was like, we had a very small yacht. <laughs> so. 
She, she like straight up told Harold that um, she liked him because he wasn't too dark of a Latino. <laughs> like, yeah, she, she told me she loved white looking Latinos. That's what I like about you too, Harold. That's so cool. <laughs> he was super into eugenics. <laughs> like that was like her yeah. thing. <laughs> Um, we had uh, we had penetrative sex one time, and I was like, you know, that was like my C plus game. And she was like, yeah, it wasn't very good. And I was like, thanks. You lied to me. She's had, she's had better Latinos that looked white. I guess she dated an Argentine for a while, and I guess he was. She's like the worst white supremacist I've ever heard. Like, yeah. Well, she just. She was. Oh my God, Charlie. She worked at in a this finance firm, and. She would constantly talk about how my office is like trying to hire black people. And I was like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Yeah. She, uh, she, Harold went out on like a date with her <laughs> and she only like, go at like, a man meeting. <laughs> uh, I met her. Uh, it was a Tinder. I met her on Tinder. Um, and she, first of all, Harold <laughs> paid for no reason, even though Harold does not have like- I'm fucking broke and she makes like 90 grand a year and I was paying for our meals just to, because I wanted to be the man. Yeah, <laughs> so stupid. Well, she would have thought I was a pussy if I didn't pay. And she only like ate lasagna. She thought Harold was like this weird, like clown. I think she thought Harold yeah. was like, a little autistic based off of like his behavior. <laughs> she would, She would always tell me, you know, you're, like, not funny. <laughs> like, because Harold yeah. would always, like, talk about, like, the birds that he saw, like, the pigeons, how pigeons are weird. Now Harold loves Because that's what I do when I walk around. I just talk about everything I see. That reminds me of an episode of Seinfeld when that uh, girl broke up with Jerry because she didn't like his act. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that. That's such a good episode. She's like, I saw you work last night. And he's like, yeah. She's like, it wasn't very funny, and then she like broke. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta watch that. Oh no! But like every time Harold would say something to her, she would be like, "That's not very funny." Uh, <laughs> she would like only eat lasagna, which was super weird. Yeah, she. Ugh. Was, like fucking. But the bit was good. Was she weird. only ate lasagna. Yeah. yeah, I said she was like fucking racist Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the bit you did about her? Like, what what material did you get out that you used? Oh, so much material! You did like it was like a it was like a two minute bit that I was it was. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Killing. He like worked. Oh, it was good, and it was just so funny. He would come home like. Uh, I would because I it was so frustrating. He would because it was miserable. And I was like, "Don't go out with her again." Don't. He was like. I told her I'd see her this weekend. And I was like, you don't have to go. This is just like when Harold went to the same barber for like a year and was getting haircuts. A year? Three years. Sorry, three years. And he would cry sometimes. His hair I would cry was after the haircuts because it was so frustrating. Why would you go back? It was because like, I kind of felt bad for the guy. I never talked to him. I don't even know his name. The only is time that... Harold talked to him was like this weird instance. Go ahead, Harold. You... He... Oh, we were sitting there and he was like, excuse me. That's the first word he said to me. I was like, why? And he goes, I farted. So just in case it smells, excuse me. And that was the last time we talked. That's the only interaction he had with that man. I'm sorry. After that happened, you went back to get another haircut from him. Just yeah. Because I, I was like, oh, this guy has issues. I'm his only customer, it seemed like. He wasn't even like, that wasn't even like his like job that was like his hobby it was his dream he was a teacher for a long time and then he decided to become a barber 
And Harold would like tell him what he wanted, but Harold, he would do the same haircut every time that was not. He'd make me look like a lesbian and I would cry. Yeah, he would be. Not because it's bad to be a lesbian, but because you don't want to look like Because I don't want to look like Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> I think Ellen DeGeneres has a wonderful head of hair, but I mean. I, I heard she's a bitch. <laughs> I, yeah, do you hear that? She got like outed. No, I didn't people that. are saying like Ellen's like horribly mean and stuff, and like they were a bunch of her like former and like um, I guess recently disgruntled employees were coming out and saying that she's not a good employer, she's rude, she never talks to anybody, she has a lot of demands, and then I guess she didn't pay. This is like something like I heard that she didn't pay like anybody that was on her show, but she's like still filming with like non-union crew. That oh, she really? For like quarantine. I don't know. That's what I heard. That was like on the news, but I mean, I don't know about like not paying people, but uh, let me just say that I feel like if I was in that position, I probably wouldn't be the nicest person. Yeah. <laughs> well, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. You would take advantage of that. I'm not that nice now and I have nothing. <laughs> I don't have a single credit and I walk around like I did Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> It's or like I did that. What, what what was that famous Ellen DeGeneres bit where like she literally went on or uh, like the the telephone called a guy. The f- yeah, that was a good one. Her her Letterman set is good. Her first Letterman set. Oh, it's so good. You know, I heard Letterman was I heard Letterman was a jerk to people too on his show. The thing is, a lot, a lot of famous people and a lot of people that like are really well known. Like, uh, who does does John Mulaney do that bit? Uh, it's I'm like a, the, on crashing. <laughs> Yeah, on crashing, yeah, he's an asshole. Of course, yeah, like of course they're gonna be assholes, like. <laughs> but like, they, fame, you're allowed to. People don't have to be nice. That's why people are like more surprised when famous people are like genuinely kind and genuinely like nice people, even though like they're like super famous. Most people are expecting them to be kind of assholes, right? I love that bit on crashing with Mulaney and Pete Holmes when he's like, "My dad always said that." You know, if you want something, you should ask for it. And he's like, your dad sounds like an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Is he a real salt of the earth type person? (laughs) I I was bummed that Crashing was canceled. I really liked that. That's like my favorite show of all time. I mean, I was so bummed. You know, I actually binge watch all three seasons in one weekend. Wow. Really? I was still living in a dorm and like all my friends were gone for the weekend. Like I was by myself. I had nothing to do. I binge watched and I got to the the series. I didn't know it was a series, but the season finale uh, of season three. And then I looked it up to see when the next season was coming out. And it was like, oh, it's canceled. <laughs> it was the most. That's so depressing. <laughs> I almost cried into my uh, poorly grilled chicken at the dining hall that night. <laughs> uh, what other shows do you like? Like comedic shows? Um, what have you, what's your, your quarantine watch? What have you been doing? I'm rewatching Mad Men. I've never seen it. <laughs> you never but that saw doesn't it. surprise me at all that you're rewatching that. I watched it in high school and I loved it. And now I'm going, like, and I was like, oh man, I haven't watched this in a while. I bet I would pick up on more of it now since I'm older. Right. It's a pretty, like, like I'm, I would say it's a pretty complex show okay. in relative to most TV nowadays. Like there's a lot of complex, and there's a lot of old jokes in there that like are like, contextual to the 60s like yeah i like i went back and watched it and there's so many racist jokes oh for sure (laughs) (laughs) and they're like and like obviously like they're staying true to the time and like but there's so many racist jokes that i didn't even get the first time i watched it because i didn't know all of like the racist connotations i mean it's a (laughs) 
genius show and I'm, I've been binge watching that but like com- and actually that show's really funny is too. it I, mean, I, don't, I don't really know John Hamm's in it right he stars John Hamm's the, the I really uh, like John Hamm and everything that he's like do you done. know he's, uh, he's like, like a frat boy uh, uh, he went to court like he hazed a kid really bad and he not really he, oh for real if you go back and read the report he took the claw of a hammer and put it under a pledge's uh, testicles and you know <sighs> We, like pulled him around a room and then set some kid's pants on fire. That's pretty savage. <laughs> you live and you grow. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stop watching Mad Men. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, did you guys see John Hamm on uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm when he copies Larry David? Yes, I love. Yeah, him. I love Curb. Curb is so good. Curb, is, Curb, Seinfeld walks so Curb could run. You know, like yeah. that, <laughs> that. I mean, that's just like a genius show and i mean i watch that i honestly don't watch a lot of new stuff um you seen beef i love beef. julia louis dreyfus is the greatest comedic actress of all time i love life. her i love veep i literally have it's so her. mean veep is like so mean it's she awesome mean. i mean this is the best way she reminds me of my mom in that show. <laughs> <laughs> um but it's just it's so good veep is so good when i was watching it three times when I was watching Veep, I was like, if there's one show that I l- would love to write for, I just want to be an insult writer, <laughs> like for yeah, Veep, come yeah. up with all <laughs> these terrible things that they say to each other. Oh, it's yeah. so good. And I was like, I was watching like an interview with her where she was talking about like the writing for the show. And she was like, oh, you guys are just seeing like <laughs> the light stuff that we decided to put <laughs> like actually on like TV because <laughs> the stuff that they write for that is probably just abhorrent <laughs> but it's hilarious i think it was mark Ma- Marin who said it who like you give a, julia Lu- you give a comedic actress a line and they'll deliver it and it'll be funny but for some reason julia louis dreyfus can make any line hilarious like yeah yeah he can make any funny line the funniest it can be like yeah. if you watch her comedians in cars getting coffee mm-hmm. uh interview like seinfeld points it out like there's something she said where she put the emphasis of her sentence of like, she was complaining about her husband and the dishes. And she's like, why are the dishes here? Like she puts the emphasis instead of, (laughs) she put it on why, like she was like, why are the dishes here? And it was so much funnier. And like Seinfeld, obviously being like a comedy writer pointed that out. She had like, she didn't even realize she did it of course, but just the way she says things are genius. I mean, that is, she's truly, she's my favorite comedic actress. Yeah. She's all time. Yeah, she's super, like, captivating. Like, if, oh, she's just so good. She just knows exactly what to do. I mean, this is a hot take, but I feel like she kind of stole uh, Christmas Vacation. Have you guys seen Christmas Vacation? Not in a long time. Not in a long time, yeah. She plays the bitchy next-door neighbor, wife. (laughs) And she's so funny. Like, there's, like, a line where, like, because of, like, Chevy Chase, like, messing something up, like, with his hijinks, like, something flies through their window and breaks it. And then when they get home in the dark, like, all the snow melted on their carpet. And she delivers this, like, she's like, why is the carpet all wet, Todd? <laughs> I don't know, Margo. And it's, the fun, like, like, the funniest conversation in the whole movie, and it's a Chevy Chase movie. Yeah, she's so good. She's so good. Would you be more bummed out about someone being an asshole than Chevy Chase? Like that really bummed me out. Like, you know what? I knew it. I knew he was. Like, I could. You could. You could feel it kind of come through. You know, I've I've heard like theories that he has CTE from so much comedy falling 
that it's just like <laughs> scrambled his brain and made him crazy. He's he's about to go Aaron Hernandez just from so many fucking goofy falls. Physical comedy is by far the most embarrassing way to get CTE. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I would rather be a physical comedian getting CTE than, like, a dude that has to wear a helmet every day. Like, Me and Harold probably have CTE. We're boxers. <laughs> I can't – I cannot – I'm not going to lie to you. I respect you guys for doing it, but I talk so much shit about boxing behind your back. And, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate no, that. No, not about you guys doing it, but every single time I, like, flip on and I see boxing, I'm like, how – What? what does it take for someone to be able to – like, you, you go, you, like, I couldn't show up anywhere if I knew I was going to get punched in the face. <laughs> I usually avoid those situations. Is You're, what do you mean, Charlie? You're doing comedy. You get yeah. fucking punched in the face when you bomb. That, that's, Not most people would say that's worse. Me and Harold, like, oh, God, no. me and Harold have, like, talked about, like, the comparisons between, like, boxing and, like, doing stand-up comedy. And it's, like, really interesting to, to kind of, like, weigh the two out. Because boxing, I think they're yourself out there, but so is stand-up comedy, and there's such like high risk in it, and but there's also like a high reward, but you can also absolutely bomb or get like knocked out, knocked out. Get so humiliated. I understand, but you bomb doing stand-up. It hurts physically. You have about you know you have a little extra scotch that night, and you you salve your wounds. You bomb doing boxing, you die. <laughs> I mean, you go I've got my. If you mess up a boxing match, you're Apollo Creed. You, you, you know. You know, I I've gotten my ass fucking kicked before, and it doesn't feel as bad as the worst bomb I've had. Because when you bomb hard, it's just like, oh, it's you. You fucking every your essence sucks. You're worthless. I feel like this. I have to ask this question now. Is a good interviewer. Worst bomb experience. Go. I mean, let's hear it. Oh, I've had a couple. I'm trying to think. Oh, my God. One of them was, uh, this one was, okay. One of them was, like, my first month in New York, there was this mic that if you did well, the next week they'd give you 10 minutes. And I did well, and I got that 10 minutes. And then the next week, I was doing 10 minutes in this room that's really tough, and I just like one minute in, I started bombing. There's this female comedian that was like, she was good and well known, sitting in, right in the front. She was female, Harold. Huh? She was a comedian. You mean? She was a, a comedian who was female. I guess I'm just describing the. But uh, and then just my mouth got dry, and I just ate shit for ten minutes, and it was so embarrassing, and no one would even look at me. What do you mean your mouth got dry? What do you mean? I just got like tense and nervous because I, I knew I was gonna bomb, and so I had dry mouth, and I was struggling through it. So you have the opposite of flop sweat. You get cotton mouth instead of flop sweat. Yeah, yep. it's. I Rita, that you, you probably you you never bombed before, have you? Um. In my personal life, many times. <laughs> but, well, my personal um, life is a garbage can. That has nothing to do with stand-up. That's um, why I love stand-up. Doing stand-up, I've never, like, I've done less than I'd like. I've never, like, bombed ugly. I've bombed singing before. But, like, it's, it was different. It wasn't because, like, um, like, it wasn't particularly good. It was because of, like, the venue was terrible we didn't actually have like an audience. So I was like singing to no one and I was really uncomfortable. My mouth got dry. 
that's like a maybe that's like a Rogers thing. I don't know. Yeah, but what's the difference between bombing? Because when you're singing, isn't the crowd supposed to be quiet? Yeah. So what, what's the difference can, between bombing and singing? And, like, how do you know when you're bombing when you're singing into a crowd? You, it's, it's a whole feeling. First of all, usually <laughs> if you're bombing, nobody's looking at you. They're looking around or they're just not listening at all. Um, this has happened at, like, um, so for – so I was in Just Duet, and we had to sing at a lot of, like, really – weird venues to like make money and one of them was for make it miami we had to sing at in at like the seal in armstrong so i remember just singing there and it was eight o'clock in the morning one day i might have been a little drunk still <laughs> and <laughs> um i went there and i was singing and it's just crowds of people walking by and it's like high school students which are the worst people on the planet and they're all like True, they're all psychopaths. What were like, you thinking? That's amore? Huh? <laughs> no, I wasn't thinking that's amore. I'd be like, um, I sang All I Want a lot uh, by Codaline, which you definitely don't know. I, uh, I'm i trying to think of a song I sang that you would know. Wait, who's it by? Codaline? Yeah, never mind. I, I did <laughs> Queen Rhapsody at one point. Oh, okay. But, I know that one. <laughs> I just wanted to relate to you for a second, Charlie. Um, but the worst bomb I ever had, uh, this is like a feeling I'll never forget for some reason. I was, I think I was 11. This was before I could like actually sing at all. I was <laughs> very bad. Um, I was on a stage and I was singing a song from Pocahontas. I'll literally never forget this. This literally <laughs> scarred me. And then I was singing and then my aunt came in, my aunt that I <laughs> never talked to or never went to any of my events. And she scared me so bad that I forgot the words. I like was just, I was like mumbling <laughs> like into the microphone. <sighs> like, and I wasn't moving. <laughs> I was just standing uh, still, swaying like side by side. It's and one thing when like something you're saying doesn't go over, but when you forget what you're saying. <sighs> That's uh, a whole new level. I remember the worst time that I bombed was in Wilkes at Miami. And it was my, tough. And, <laughs> were we there for that? Yeah, you were there. It was my first time trying to not do one-liners. Even though I don't think that was like necessarily like a bomb for you, oh, that, that was, was the worst bomb. crowd I'd ever seen at Wilkes. Yeah, that was really that bad. Was the and, worst crowd ever. And then it was I had, a, I had a, a halfway bet. You guys weren't there for that. This was last year or I mean, maybe early, like in the beginning of this semester or something, I was doing a brand new five minutes and I, the first two and a half just died on me. <laughs> and then the second two and a half killed. Mm. So at least I like got to finish. Yeah. But the first two and a half, I'm like, Oh, that's the worst feeling. Cause you can't, yeah. I want, I want to pull a Larry David sometimes. Have you guys heard that story? Cause Larry David started doing stand up when he moved to New York. Or yeah. New York, but, he was originally a stand-up before he just did comedy writing. But yeah. he was terrible at it because he's so – he's not personable at all. Yeah. <laughs> There's a story that one time he, like, walked onto a crowd or, like, walked out onto a crowd and then saw it and then just shook his head, put the mic back in the stand, and left. That's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I've thought about doing that so many times. because I remember, like, the reason that part of my act died that one time is I was doing a bit that was, like, anti-hot topic. Okay. <laughs> the store? The store. That's specific. <laughs> and what were you doing it to a goth crowd? 
I looked in the crowd and there were four girls in the front row that were dressed exactly how I was talking about. <laughs> That's so unlucky. I haven't seen somebody dressed like hot top. Oh, I mean, they were like goth goth, but they had all the jewelry, like the earrings and stuff. And I had a joke where I said, why does it look like the people who shop at Hot Topic buy their clothes from Hot Topic, but their jewelry from a PetSmart? <laughs> and- oh. And these girls, like, I, oh, my God. And I looked right at him as I said. It just completely died on me. And it was, oh, God, that was brutal. I remember my my worst bomb was actually in in New York. I was, uh, it was a rainy day, and I don't have an umbrella. And it was just pouring down rain. And I had walked, this was, like, my third mic of the day. And I was soaking wet. My jeans were completely soaked through. My socks were, and I decided to go up anyway. And I went up. I was just like, I'm here, and I was dripping wet on stage, and I just started talking, and no one even reacted to anything I said for four minutes. I was like, am I speaking English? Like, oh I would have literally, oh. Did you it was while you were wet? Like, did you Yeah, I was like, I don't have an umbrella, because I think umbrellas are for pussies, and they did not oh. think that was funny, <laughs> even close. I'm sorry. Uh, so I know, I realized that afterward. Yeah, he started, he starts like, he started like stealing my fucking umbrella from my closet. And I, one time I like was going to a job interview and I had, and I was looking for my umbrella. It was pouring rain and Harold took it. So I didn't have an umbrella. So I had to go buy one. I was, I was like wet because <laughs> I didn't have an umbrella until I got to the store and it ne- I never dried off properly. So I had to go to a job interview. Are you guys having trouble coming up with material like during, during quarantine? Because there's like nothing going on. Have you been writing at all? Because you were saying you haven't. I have not written a lot of stand-up. I, I, I don't know. I've been doing more like fiction lately just because, I, yeah. like I said, I haven't had a lot of experience. Because my stand-up's all about complaining about people. Yeah. And I haven't seen anyone. <laughs> so, like, the best I feel like, like you, you could still do that. But, like, I, I did have an experience. I, I started and quit a job this week. This week? This week. What I, happened? I, uh... I, my, I got in at a can factory in town. <laughs> yeah? They make, like, aluminum cans. Yeah. <laughs> and I, stru- I got to, you know, because they pay pretty well because of how miserable the work is. Yeah. And I underestimated how miserable it was going to be. So I did, <laughs> at the beginning of this week, I did Sunday through Wednesday night shift, 12-hour shifts. Oh, my God. And, and how was it? Probably bad. I quit, Harold. <laughs> <laughs> and well you got some money from yeah, it let me, ju- let me just say i'm never gonna drink a beer out of a can ever again <laughs> oh okay man. well let's be honest i I'm not, i wasn't drinking beer out, of beer out of cans anyway what am i an animal <laughs> <laughs> so how are your your drinking habits during quarantine charlie um they, they've mellowed out a little bit just because we've been in it for so long. Interesting. But I thought they would just like ramp up. Just keep they, going. They the ramped up for a while. Did they? What, what's, what's an average night for, for Charlie Clark? Well, see, it's like I told Chris and uh, Joe on, the la- on a couple casts ago is that I have my brain train that if I don't have anything to get up for in the morning, it's okay to drink the night before. Yeah, yeah. Like, like that's just how my brain works. Like I don't drink if I like. I'm not a drink. Like I don't operate well hungover at all. Like I I won't leave my house if I have even the slightest hangover. So uh, I don't drink if I have something to do because I know that I will, will cancel. You know. What I mean? yeah. 
<laughs> I, tr- I tried going to class hungover one time and I left halfway through and I just shook oh. my head on the way out. Like, there's no way. <laughs> like, I'm not. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I like weirdly, um, when I'm hungover, I think it's fun to go to places. Like, I, I don't you think I. Huh? Yeah. Um, I never, like, whenever I was, like, hungover, um, like, I would never, like, if I had something to do in the morning, it was always easier for me to wake up in the morning for some reason. Yeah, probably because you're still drunk. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Then I would, like, go to, like, whatever. Usually I would, like, I would go to class, and it was fine, because I didn't throw up from drinking until, like, my junior year of college. Uh, See, I, I, if I never throw up, I, I can count on one hand, like, the times I've thrown up from drinking <laughs> and started college. But it only happens the day after, never the night of. See, I've only thrown up mm, three times. One was the day – one was the night of. That was really bad. I blacked out. Harold had to, like, nurse me back to hell. That was the night before I had a fight. She kept me up all night dying. I didn't know. I was blacked out. I don't remember. <laughs> That's like when Adrian – you know, went into the coma. (laughs) I fought for Rhiannon! Rocky just sat by her bed the entire time trying to, like, fight his way through a Western novel or something that he could barely read. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then the second time was, it was the first time I had, like, really gotten so hungover that, like, I actually threw up from it. I went to Pittsburgh to visit my friend, and we had gone out. And I woke up the next day, and I was like, I think I'm going to puke. And it was like such a new feeling. I was like, no, I'm going to ignore it. So I tried to go back to sleep for like two more hours. And I woke up and I like crawled to the bathroom. And like I threw up and my friend was standing outside the door with like water and like saltines. (laughs) She was like, hey. (laughs) And I was like, you could hear me? She's like, yeah. (laughs) And uh, we were supposed to like go biking that day and like have like, we had like a whole day planned. And I was like literally green. She was like, Rihanna, you have to throw up more or you're like not going to get better. And I was like, no, I don't. Let's just go biking. Let's just handle you, it. You're insane. I, it didn't work. I like, <laughs> I, I, I had a headache. I sat down day. the entire day. I, <laughs> but no, so you're I, ducking the question, Charlie, your, your, your consumption. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I guess it depends on what I, you know, what I'm drinking and you know what I'm doing. Um, Let's say wine. Wine. Yeah. I, I can do two bottles of wine. Okay. Nice. Like, wine wine really makes me like really hungover. It it's yeah. See, I've I actually find the opposite. Like a lot of people, like the, the types of alcohol that they complain that they get hangovers from, I find the opposite for me. Like a lot of people drink like a lot of beer. I don't drink beer. And when I do drink beer, I get horrible hangovers from it. Really? Yeah, I get terrible hangovers from beer, but I and then oh, people always complain about the wine headache, you know, the next day. Oh, but I, I get that bad. I'm rarely hungover from wine. Um, Maybe your body's just built up such a tolerance to it. And then so I'm, is is that your go-to wine? Uh, I, more often than not anymore, it is. I'll, you know, I, I'll do you know some some vino and uh, <laughs> and a nice but, scotch. And then I, I like a night. Well, you know, I don't get super nice scotch. I mean, I'm not a millionaire. I'm a, I, I, drink, <laughs> I drink Johnny Walker Black. Okay. That nice. means nothing to me. You don't know what Johnny Walker Black is? No, neither of us. It's just I'm, I'm, I'm all beer. That's And I, I try to, I, I try to, if I'm drinking, which is like probably five or six nights a week, limit myself to six. That's, that's then so I, is what that. 
That's future cirrhosis of the liver. <laughs> well, I'll take it after my grandpa. Rips. <laughs> Rip. <laughs> but uh, so what's your favorite beer? Stella Artois, right? Modelo. Modelo, Modelo gang. Yeah. Modelo since we got to Yeah, because in New York, the supermarket buyers got these tall cans of Modelo that make my hands feel normal. So I like it. I don't, the small cans are too small for me. Rhiannon, what's your, what's your go-to? Uh, my go-to if I'm drinking, which she is... She hardly like, drinks. I hardly drink now. Like, unless, like, I'm, like, going out, like, like will like, really drink. My sh- my vice is shopping, but if I'm drinking... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I kind of wish that was my advice. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> Trust me. I'd rather love drinking, like, <laughs> all the time. I think I, like, tired myself out, though, a lot in college, because it would... But... Regardless, if I'm drinking, it's probably White Claws, which is like the whitest thing. Wow. I'm sorry. It's, they're like, they're easy to like take down. I don't need a lot of them to get drunk. So it's pretty good. Or like wine, like white wine, because that like tends to leave me with less of a headache than red wine. If I drink red wine, I'm going to be like in bad shape. Like the next well, you, you had no problem taking down that, uh, that bottle of, uh, Cabernet that I brought over to Chris's. Yeah. Hey, we were amongst friends. I was, That's I was what, yeah, you, and it was good. And the next morning I had a terrible headache. Oh, did you? Well, yeah, I'll tell it you was what, fun. I had fun. My favorite drink though, hmm. I like to mix up a nice dry gin martini. That's of my favorite. <laughs> okay, or James fucking Bond. Literally a fucking time traveler, Charlie. <laughs> oh. I, I, I had one martini, uh, it was on a date with Flora, the white supremacist, and she th- thought I was gay for ordering a martini. She said, what are you, gay? That's homophobic, too. That's homophobic, yeah. Yeah, I know. He's, I was like, was so gay. what if I am? It's not, she was so problematic. It's not bouncy to order a martini. It's like, that's um, a really- Bouncy? <laughs> that's the alternative, you say bouncy. I stole uh, from uh, Pete Corielli, because you don't want to speak. You know, he's a. You guys know who Pete Corielli is, the comedian. No, he, not really. He's the one that does the podcast with Sebastian Maniscalco. Oh, uh, okay. And I'll tell you right now that I think Pete Corielli is funnier off the cuff than Sebastian is. Wow. He's super witty if you listen to the podcast. Like he just comes up with like those funny comedian analogies, like on the spot. But yeah, he said that like you don't want to say gay anymore because it's like offensive to gay people, obviously. Right. But you still want to like make something sound like I don't know non-masculine that has nothing to do with sexuality. You say bouncy. <laughs> bouncy. That's I like that. That's yeah, good. It's not offensive, but it it implies that like you're not being like a manly man. That yeah. you know if you view that as important, which I I, I don't. I don't think uh, I don't think Martini. You know, t- Dean Martin drank martinis to circle yeah. back. I mean, let's you know let's not get crazy here. Yeah. If, <laughs> if I'm going to like a bar or something where like if you know, if it's casual, like, I'll, like, try to order something, you know, probably, like, uh, like a beer, and I'll just have, like, one. But if, I, like, I'm going out, going out, and I'm at a bar, I'm probably going to order, like, vodka water, vodka soda, or vodka uh, sour. I remember when I went out with you guys, um, and it was before I was 21, so obviously I couldn't get my own drink. Right. And you guys forced me to go to Brick Street. <laughs> you had fun i could tell i had fun by being a horrible human being at brick street you were being very <laughs> funny you were cracking, I was up. cracking up garrett and ethan the entire time <laughs> oh, 
Garrett, by the way, Rian, your boyfriend yeah, Garrett. Um, so he was here. He was quarantined here for two weeks, and then he went to Miami to get all this stuff. He came back for a week, and now he's home because he's studying like twelve hours a day for the MCAT that he's taking at the beginning of July. He is way too nice of a guy. Like when he when we hang out with him, and it's like all of like the comedian type people. <laughs> he's like, "What are you guys talking about?" Like he's like, he's. Like, he's He's such a nice guy, but, like, I had him cracking up because I was just being so rude to drunk college kids. Oh, he loves you. He thinks you're so funny. Because you were – because I think I heard this one, like, I turned around. You – somebody bumped into you, and you were like, hey, guy. (laughs) (laughs) And the kid turned around. He's like, oh, like, I'm so sorry. Because, like, you look very, like, intimidating. He was so scared. Oh, it was so good. And you did that, like, multiple times. You scared a lot of people. <laughs> I remember there was a guy wearing a sweatshirt at the bar at Brick, and he, it, it, and he had, they were, like, geometric, like, different colored uh, squares, like, all over it. And it was Halloween time, and I said, what are you dressed as, a Rubik's Cube? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, no, this is just my favorite sweatshirt. And I was like, I wouldn't tell people that. <laughs> yeah charlie was just roasting people at the bar <laughs> that was the only way i could have fun in that place but, but as i was saying like Mackenzie like got those drinks and she comes back with like a trash can oh uh, i took a sip of it i was like this is the most disgusting thing i've ever yeah, done they're me, killer me and Mackenzie went to the bar and, and uh she like or we all ordered like the trash cans and she brought them back for you i think she bought that round oh I no i've been motor Oh, did you? I miss. Oh. I think she bought my round. <laughs> she was like, "That's twelve dollars." I was like, twelve dollars." Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Red Bull and and what and uh, well vodka. I'm not. <laughs> like, it's Red Bull and like all like the clear liquors like dumped in. It's oh, it's a. It's, I used to drink like three or four of those some nights at break. I drank it was, three. I, I drank three of them that night. That's a blackout night usually. Oh, I I've never blacked out before. Never in your life? I've never blacked out before. That's unbelievable. I don't think my body's, like, I've been, like, way, like, I've been uncomfortably drunk before, but my pro, like, I wish that I could black out, honestly. It would make the walk home faster. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I can't. Uh, I, I probably blacked out 30 times. Yeah. I've never, I've never blacked out before. My, I've, like, I've woken up the next day and be like, and just remembered everything and be like, oh, what a terrible, what did yeah. I do? Like, that was it's so- better not to remember. It's usually. better not to remember. There you know, are- I had a good time at Brick because when you guys went to the bar, I got recognized as a comedian for the first time at Brick. Yeah. Oh, isn't that, the, isn't that the best? That's the epitome. That was the most amazing thing. Like some drunk freshman kid came up to me with a backwards hat on. And uh, he was like, hey, man, you're like that funny guy. <laughs> if you're like i am i yeah, said i saw you at 1868 the other night and i said oh he's like i really liked your stuff and i said oh thanks a lot man and i shook his hand and then i went back and i was talking to ethan mcguire yeah and uh and then all of a sudden i had an arm around my shoulder this guy took a selfie with me with the- oh my <laughs> lord without even saying anything and then he was like thanks man and he like walked away you're like a celebrity <laughs> and then, and then <laughs> i turned to ethan and like and ethan was like I'm not leaving here until I get my fucking picture taken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a classic, Ethan. So, Char- Charlie, have you done? Have you thought about doing any of these Zoom mics or whatever the fuck? No, I re- absolutely refuse. Um, I think that they're a terrible idea. Chris did one, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it did not go well. In the middle of his act or whatever. 
I hate the computer, you know? Yeah, I'm me not, too. I'm definitely not going to, I'm not going to try and do my act, you know? I think just a terrible forum for, like, stand-up is, like, over, like, Zoom. I think it's completely impersonal. It's like you lose like a lot of it. So I don't. I only want to do stand up live in front of a crowd. That's the only the way I want to do it. Stand up. Yeah, I know. I mean, like, there's no point. Like, that's why, like, you hear like every comedian who doesn't do movies say that I don't like waiting six months to hear about how people laugh. I want to see. Yeah. Yeah. In person, because and that that. And that that's what's good about it is just making a that connection with the audience and getting the that feeling like there's no feeling over zoom people yeah, laughing you don't feel that here what are you going to do a, a a video open mic in that bedroom with those deca- those decorations <laughs> 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 going to be laughing at your jokes are going to be laughing at the pictures on you all again. look at look at this picture i got of me in this this little fucking get up i look like an 18th century fucking <laughs> I look like fucking Leo Tolstoy as a fucking kid. (laughs) People will be laughing and you'll be like, oh, I'm killing. And they're really just seeing the pictures. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would not. I would never reveal this bedroom to anyone at the public at large. You can see it, Charlie, because you mean nothing to me. So you can see it. (laughs) I I wouldn't have to show Charlie my childhood room. I'm sorry. What were you saying? My childhood room is very like it's too stimulating. The colors and it's a lot. It's really a lot. It used to my bedroom has like office. nothing in it. I didn't. I I was never like I'm still not really into deck. You know, like the only decor that I have in my apartment is I have a black and white frame photo of the Rat Pack over my bar. <laughs> over your bar. Over yeah, his we, bar. Yeah, and you saw it. You were you I made know, but that's when just, you came in. <laughs> oh, that's just so I immediately made a comment about it because I was like, of course you would have a bar. And then um, in my bedroom I have a canvas print of the have you uh, you guys have you seen Goodfellas? The class? Yeah. Okay. You know when they kill that guy and then they go to Joe Pesci's mom's house in the movie, and it's actually yeah. And she has that painting. You have that in your. I have that painting, like a print of nice hanging up in my room, like where Joe Pesci's like, I like this one. One dog goes one way, the other dog goes that way, and this guy's like. (laughs) (laughs) I've had no decorations in any other room I've lived in except this, except the Brazilian flags. The only decoration I ever have. I remember going to your guys' apartment in Miami, and you had that giant Brazilian flag. Yeah. New York too. It's up in New York. We're very proud. How is your guys' living situation in New York? Like, because you always hear about like the cramped New York apartments and blah blah blah. What, like, where are you? If you don't mind saying, I guess I should say, like, what area of Manhattan are you living in? Seventy Second Street represents Seventy Third. What? I, you're gonna have to like break. It's a up. nice area. We got it's the apartments like, a little small, but I I wouldn't want anything bigger. I like cram little spaces. What part of Manhattan is that? So it's like on the west side of central park so if you go like it's like right oh. in the center of central park kind of if like you keep going to a parallel park. to central park yeah well, yeah well that's yeah. a good location it's a, yeah it's it's fantastic and the 72nd the street station's right there like the lower west side is that what you like so the lower west is like a bunch of different areas so it's like there's if you keep going down you're gonna hit like hell's kitchen tribeca soho greenwich Nolita, like all those areas and then if you keep going all the way down you'll hit like the financial district and like that whole area but on the opposite side is like the lower east side the the east village like yeah. greenwich village 
the last time I stayed in New York, I stayed in Hell's Kitchen. Did you? Oh, that's kind of close to us. Yeah. That was a cool area. Yeah. I actually, I forgot that when he asked me, like, my first, I mean, the first live comedy performance I saw, it actually, I mean, he wasn't professional, but I happened to be at, a, at the first taping for an album for this aspiring comedian. His name is Dan Lamort. Okay. Oh, really? And it was at the, uh, I think it has a really generic name. Like, it's called, like, the New York Comedy Club. Oh, yeah, yeah that's a that's, that's a, a club. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, we, we had no idea, obviously. Like, I wasn't into stand-up. I didn't know anything about the clubs yeah. there because I, I was still in high school obviously if i would have known about the clubs i would have went to like the cellar you should, like, yeah you should uh when you well say this who knows man back up to run it or whatever but you guys have any idea when you're gonna go back hopefully by the end of the summer yeah you just like you just have your apartment sitting there like penny. yeah what drives me crazy is that my mail like my mail is there and <laughs> like i <have laughs> like important mail but I just want it. I'm just, I don't know. What if oh, somebody sends an important letter? I don't know. You can't even get a decent slice of pizza in Ohio. Oh, tell me about it, Charlie. <laughs> the fucking New York pizza. I had this spot on 66th Street. Pizza. I remember, like, the and the Chinese food. I mean, like, everything there is just so more authentic and so much better. There's this, like, great Chinese place that's, like, uh, like up the street from us. Ooh, it's expensive, but it's delicious. So I only yeah. go, really get we, we can only afford the appetizers. <laughs> True. And, like, we, like, you got to, like, share. But it's, it's really good. There was a Chinese restaurant that I ate at when I was in New York. And this was, like, in 2017. And it was, like, a pun on Chinese. Like, and it was, like, we went there because it was, like, it had a um, – it had like really good reviews. It was like it, it was. It's been there since the '80s. It was called the New Food King Restaurant. Nice. It, like it's like a pun. It's almost racist, like in a way. No. F- <laughs> <laughs> no. It's a pun in like Chinese uh, American dialect. It's racial. It's racial. It's racial for sure. Right. Yeah. The New Food <laughs> King Chinese Restaurant. It, so oh, the- when you guys get back, check that out. There's very yeah. fast. Okay. Yeah, but like our, me and Harold's like favorite spot probably by far to like the go stand. Stand. We would it's go, the best club. We we've seen. Oh, the tickets are like super affordable because people don't. I don't think a lot of people like really know about it yet. But we we saw that's like the most I've ever laughed at a comedy club was Jessica Kirsten Jessica Kirsten. Kirsten oh, set she's hilarious! 11, oh my god, it was like at eleven thirty at night. She was just ending a girl. There was hardly anyone in the room. There were probably like maybe eight people at most in there. And she, I was literally in tears. I was in tears. We were both crying. She she even asked us like, are you guys high? (laughs) Laughing so hard. She was like, either you're Jewish or you're high. There's no other reason. We're like, neither. (laughs) Like, neither. We're Brazilian and sober. What are we doing here? (laughs) (laughs) No, but it was seriously the, it was the funniest shit i've ever seen in my life shit i've ever seen i've seen a lot of like a lot of really great comedians go there um nikki glazer went to test out her roast material i can't just talk only- about nikki glazer she she was- she's funny i think she's funny uh in person she did a lot of stuff that she didn't do i didn't hear her do it probably she probably got told to like that she couldn't do it or cut it but it was like it was really good um dan soder goes there all the time Dan Soder goes there all the time. Dave Attell dropped in. He bumped into me, literally, and I thought it was just some guy because he was wearing, like, his, you know, uniform, his big it, coat. Jeffrey Ross put it, Dave, you look like you buy your clothes from Advance Auto Parts. Yeah. <laughs> it was so 
funny. From- <laughs> There's a, they also do like a big J Ogerson hosts. Uh, uh, he hosts a couple times, I think maybe a month where he brings yeah. people that he likes like Yamanika Saunders was, oh, he's killer. Funny. It's, oh, it's just, they, it's like, like a hidden gem right now. And I hope nobody <laughs> ever like finds out about it. So the tickets can stay like five to $15. So I hope, I hope I can find my way to New York soon. I mean, like, I mean, I have another year of school, obviously. Yeah. You're welcome to our couch anytime. We'd love to have you, of course. I appreciate that. I'm going to probably have to take you up on that soon. I've literally been telling you this for a year that you could come visit us. And you were like, uh, you guys don't want me there. <laughs> now it's on air. So, like, I'm going to have to hold, I can hold you to it. Yeah. I mean, Chris came and stayed with us. I don't know if he liked it, <laughs> but he came and stayed with us. <laughs> I, Chris, uh, that guy cracks me up sometimes. Like, yeah. and I would definitely say this to him, to his face. Sometimes he says the most like awkward, ridiculous thing for the situation, yeah. and I just. I think that's part of his shtick. That should I be part of his shtick. I think that's like a. I think he should double down on it almost. Oh, he definitely <laughs> needs to double down on it. For yeah, like a, that's like a great. Yeah. I feel like he found his persona. Like, do you guys feel like you found your persona? I feel like I'm still searching for mine. Like, I don't have a persona. See, I feel like you're extremely, I have a very clear picture of you as a comedian, as a comedic voice in my head. Yeah, me I too. Think, I think that, like, when I think of, like, a comedian, like, that's, like, up and coming, that I know of, that, like, really knows themselves, like, you pop into my head. I just feel like you, like, know yourself, you know your material, you know what you're about and what you want to do. So I... I don't know. I disagree. I think that you haven't found your person. Yeah, me too. I think you, you, you. Just don't, don't like question yourself with it. I think you, cause you could, you prove that you could do one liners and you could do storytelling because you still keep to your own, uh, like you still keep to doing like what you know. Yeah. Just trust your intuition about it. Yeah. It's super important to like. I appreciate you guys saying that. Like, I just meant like, I don't know. I, I always kind of thought like of myself as like maybe doing like a character on stage, but I'm starting to realize that that's not really, it's a lot more difficult than it seems yeah. to like come up with like a, like a character that works. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think, Jessel Nick, he does a character. Yeah. Yeah. But I think what um, you're doing, you, you tend to like, like exaggerate your old timiness. Yeah. You're like a crotchety <laughs> old man in a lot of ways. Which is, <laughs> great <laughs> uh you know that was really funny probably one of the best shows i had is i got invited to do it was a house show and yeah it was um it was a comedy poetry you know how people time like try to mix those together like they for some reason correlate <laughs> bizarrely yeah yeah bizarre. i remember doing, and i like they did all their poetry and it was like this it was this living room it was a living room full of like people in band t-shirts and uh messy hair and (laughs) there was corduroy there for some reason and um just okay and and like i you know like my standard stand-up uniform is button-down shirt blazer jeans exactly so when i walked in they all looked at me like they thought their party was getting busted (laughs) (laughs) Maybe dress like an undercover cop. <laughs> right. Like dress <laughs> like, like a shark everywhere he goes. Detective. And uh and I had to sit there the Literally entire work. time, like thinking that I was just gonna bomb, you know, because they did all of the poetry and then all of the comedians and they wanted me to close. 
Mm. And I ended up, and I murdered. Like I'm Yeah, like, because they just heard poetry for a half hour. <laughs> <laughs> there were four other comedians before me, okay? But like I was getting so many strange looks before I went up, like and and then I ended up murdering. And like those were some of the I, I shouldn't have judged them as hard as I did. They were some of the nicest people. Like after I finished, they came up to me and like shook my hand and asked me what my social media was and if I had mm-hmm. videos on YouTube and like <laughs> such nice people and I'm like clearly you guys don't get out much but I mean it was very nice of you to say yeah I do you have social media Charlie oh yeah 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 I uh I, I have a Twitter and I have a I like your tweets because they're exactly oh like Rihanna does tell me your jokes sometimes from Twitter I, yeah I just tweet my jokes basically like yeah, I love that that's hilarious that's <laughs> like, very true to who you are I just try and like tweet jokes I have an Instagram that I haven't posted on since like last summer but, yeah and then i i was forced to download a snapchat freshman year of, of high school so i had one of those <laughs> and then mostly now i either tweet jokes on twitter or use my other social media profiles to plug this podcast that no one listens nice to. <laughs> so, uh, i get like 30 or 40 listeners on spotify every week hey that's that's something that's and an audience have, and i have it on apple too but like their analytics are all wonky so i have no idea yeah what who I'm getting on there, but. But I mean, you'll, you'll just increase like if you grow. It's like a comic. So, uh, Charlie, can I ask you your top five comedians ever? Oh God. Top five comedians. Um, okay. So you got to go, uh, Seinfeld. Okay. Rickles. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Carlin. And hmm, I don't know, probably like uh, Maniscalco, probably. I mean, who is number two? Dangerfield. Oh, okay. I love Rodney Dangerfield. (laughs) I know that. And as you guys saw, I completely stole his like shtick for my my first three (laughs) completely just ripped off his style and just made up my own one self-deprecating one-liners which was some of the most fun i've ever had doing stand-up but i I hated it when i did those one-liners and they were like they were about like my dating life or something and then like girls would like like go aw in the crowd yeah ladies if you're awing solve the problem i'm free (laughs) i mean like don't aw like come give me your number like what are you like you, you can fix the issue. Like that's what these jokes are about. Yeah. I hated doing self-deprecating jokes and getting called. You should do those and then say that you'll probably get phone numbers. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm dead ass serious. So. One of my best sets. I wished I were to record it, but like it was the first time that I did crowd work, mm-hmm. and I like because like it was a terrible show. And this is this the is the, yeah, it was at the the bar. It was um last semester it was the beginning of the year and it was probably the main reason i quit not very funny is because i would always close the shows and nine people before me would totally bomb and do like horribly dark material to the point where people would leave (laughs) i went up just knowing that i was gonna bomb because everyone was completely turned off so it was the first time that i made fun of the crowd and i ended up like killing because of it because like i was picking on all of them like I was like I get it, like I remember I told a joke and this girl laughed at like the setup and not the punchline, so I stopped mid joke and I said you're a little early on that one, sweetheart. And the entire <laughs> <laughs> so 
but that like that was some of the most fun. I need to start doing more like crowd work. That's why I love Don Rickles so much. He would just get on stage and rip people to pieces. See, that that goes along with your your persona. I couldn't call someone sweetheart and get a laugh. Oh, creepy. But that totally fits with you. <laughs> Yeah. Could you my hey, too early, sweetheart? <laughs> yeah, that's basically what I said. How off-putting. And all of our friends like sort of laughing. What's that? It makes sense, like, coming from you. That's why, like, it feels like you, you, like, I think one of the most important things for, like, a comedian to be successful is to, like, it shows in all comics, is to, like, know yourself well enough to where the material that comes from you could pretty much only come from you. Like where it feels like you have a distinct voice and not like anyone could be saying your jokes because that's when you like really tend to connect with the audience. That's how like, that's why I like the comedians I like, I feel like connect with me and like their material is so clearly theirs. Like their voice is so clearly theirs. Harold, I was actually doing a bit of yours the other day. What was it? Because I was complaining. Um, I'm not going to get, po- I don't like to get political on the pot. I don't like to get political. But okay. I, yeah. I was complaining about corporations. And then I started doing your bit about suicide nets on Sweat. Uh, <laughs> you remember your suicide net bit? Oh, yeah. I was doing it a little bit. That, that's <laughs> just, I love that bit. I mean, I just remember when I came up with that. I, I was just so uh, – can you imagine your job being so bad you can't even wait to get home to kill yourself? <laughs> like, that's <laughs> just, that's so terrible. And, like, yeah. like, some jobs fucking suck and no one's running – off the building. <laughs> Actually, I think I was doing that. I think I was doing your joke because of that can factory that I like. Like, this week. <laughs> were you thinking of jumping off the roof? <laughs> I was like, if I stayed there another week, I would need a Malaysian suicide net. You worked for four <laughs> days, Charlie. Oh, brutal though. So, <laughs> like, but I was like, if I go back there, I'm gonna need one of those like suicide nets. And I was making an iPhone, you know. It's, just, I mean, just imagine going into work and seeing the nets. <laughs> like, what is going to happen? I can imagine, like, what's that like in the interview process? Like, oh, so what's your company culture like? <laughs> yeah, it's just here. You just see, like, a like a dude in, like, a janitor's outfit with, like, a human-sized goldfish net just getting the kid out of the... <laughs> <laughs> they they got to scoop them off and get them back to work. <laughs> oh, God, that's so terrible, but so funny. And I was talk- I was doing that the other night. but And then, Rhiannon, you have that bit about the... Uh, is it T-Mobile? Yeah, it was T-Mobile. It's because uh, I was so pissed off one day because I went to the dentist... And I left, and T-Mobile was just so fucking pink. It was next. To, it was next to the dentist office. It was so pink, and like, I started to think about T-Mobile, and I got so angry. I just had to like write it out, and it was like I wrote that I think like the day that I was going like not very funny, or like the day maybe of my set or something. I was just I just remember being so angry <laughs> that I had to do something. That was so. That was such a funny bit, and that was the first time that I ever heard you do stand up. Oh, really? Yeah. That? that was your first time that you did it, like, when I was in, like, in a meeting. Oh, yeah. Oh. I, I like how we talk about, like, not very funny, almost like it's AA. Like, like yeah, we, I got to get to a meeting. <laughs> like, like I, I'll be, like, talking to a, like, my roommate has no concept of humor. And, like, he openly admits that. Like, he, like, I always try to run bits by him. And he, 
he never gets them. And I have no concept of like, if I joke, I was like, I got to get to a meeting. Like, I gotta. <laughs> that's another reason why I had to quit. Not very funny is because I was like not running my material by a single funny person. Yeah. It's and tough. I, and the problem with like running your material by people is like, if you are going to run your material by somebody, you should hope they're going to be honest with you and they're going to heckle you if it's bad. They're going to tell you straight up because if the worst response you get to your material, is that a not very funny meeting? You're doing really well. Yeah. And, and we don't have to name names, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like getting like unnecessary feedback. Oh my God. Tell me about that. <laughs> I mean, I... The, the biggest recipient of just like, the because it's just like it's so useful. what the fuck i heard you laugh or not like i don't need you telling me what you think would be funny in my act it's not your act and that I, I never understood that either it's like why would you give someone why would i give someone notes on a joke because if i'm giving them notes i want to use it like that's yeah. my like, <laughs> i don't want to help yeah. you yeah <laughs> And it's only the only person who can actually give you notes is someone who fucking understands your your point of view yeah, right. and knows you, and someone that you trust that is funny that you respect in some way. You can't just be given notes willy nilly just because you think you know what's up. Exactly. I remember at a meeting. One, <laughs> I'm not thinking of anyone in particular. <laughs> well, of course. Um, I got a note. Um, I got feedback from somebody and. <laughs> Charlie was sitting by me and he goes, don't, don't use that. Don't use that. Don't use that. He goes, don't ruin your joke. <laughs> I, I, I got to the point where like, I would be like, that, that's a terrible idea. Like, yeah, because, no, you were like actively saying it out loud because I think you were like mad. You were like particularly mad. This day I'm always mad. I think I like went like last and I said, I was talking about boxing and I was talking about how like as a female boxer, you get like a lot of weirdness with guys like that don't box yet and like right. aren't used to it and i got punched like one time i'm sure you remember exactly what i'm talking about now and i was talking about getting punched and <laughs> i like had a tag already that i used and like the joke kind of ended and like proceeded into something else and then i got a really uncomfortable note that wouldn't make sense. Save a note now it was a yeah, you were getting punched in the pussy was a joke, right? Getting punched in the pussy, and it was like, yeah, and um, it was that I should have said the pussy punches back. Uh, <laughs> I remember that. And I'm laughing because it's terrible. For Charlie anyone. was so angry. I literally, you were so mad. You literally could not hold it in for a second after after it was said. You were like, "Do not use that. <laughs> That's not good. Don't use that." <laughs> like, okay. Oh. I started sitting behind Harold in those meetings and we would get bigger laughs than the people trying to use the material. Yeah. Because we would just be talking shit back and forth yeah. just loud enough for other people to hear like Jake Sierra, who's on the podcast, by the way. I don't know. I know. I listen. Yeah. I miss Jake. I, I hope that, that, that was so, that was the best part of the meeting was Heckling. just talking shit. Heckling was my favorite part by far. Oh, I loved being mean to people that weren't being funny at the time. But like in most of it was like in a friendly way. Like I would like <laughs> Ben Witt. I would like <laughs> we, oh when he was God. doing that joke about like the Cheetos in the tub, eating them with chopsticks. He's like, "What are you Chinese?" <laughs> we didn't we didn't let that go for weeks because it was just so surprising. That was, was just surprising. He literally could not get through the rest of his set. 
that day because we were joking about it for so long. I love Ben Witt, but he would say some of the most horrible things sometimes. Horrible stuff. I mean, I'm not even going to bring it up. But I think you do. What he would say, like, at the last time when you guys were at my apartment and he said something very alienating. We can talk about that off mic. <laughs> and uh, oh, that was, he and uh, looked at him like, what the hell, man? He said a couple things. I hope he's listening to this. <laughs> Shouts to Ben Witt. He was in New York. We he took came, him to the stand. Yeah, we, we went to dinner with him. That was actually, he went to the stand and we like got some food. And funny enough, that night I was actually followed by a group of guys because um, it was very uncomfortable. I was... <laughs> Um, I've been followed before. That's not new. Um, I was partially raised in Brazil. Of course I was followed. <laughs> um, but I went to, I was going to meet up with Harold at the stand and like the subway stopped running to that like area that night. So I had to like transfer somewhere else. And I was like walking down the street and like this group of like guys started like screaming at me and I was like running late and um, they started getting closer. So I ended up having to like run across the street and luckily like it turned green right as that happened. So like cars started going, but whew, I was a little nervous on that one. I can't believe things like that actually happen. Like you hear about that stuff, like yeah. who are these guys? You know what I mean? <laughs> like drunk as fuck. That was like very evident. So like, I'm obviously not giving that a pass. I know, but like, I, I hate that excuse. Like, the I drunk do too. It's, it's like, it's oh, I was drunk. You know what? I've gotten really messed up a couple times. Never sexually assaulted anyone but, <laughs> but myself. You know, I've never, you know, I'm not going to like, like I, I've never like inappropriately said anything like to a woman. I've been, uh, I've been in a lot of like precarious situations and I've been uncomfortable a lot of different times and it's, and oh, guys are always like, that's like the number one thing is like, oh, like I was drunk. I didn't, I'm sorry, I was drunk. And that happened to all my friends too. It's like a recurring theme. Even Harold on the prowl at Brick Street is mildly respectful of people's rights. Hey, I've been raped more than I've dished it out. Oh my God. Oh, Jesus. I remember you talking about I've been sexually assaulted a number of times. The, the, I, I don't want to name it. Assaulted more than me. I used to get. I went to this mall a couple times and got molested by this Chinese masseuse. I'm yeah, sure. I remember you talking about that. You don't go back after the first molestation. That's victim blaming. That's victim blaming. That's what I told him, and then he said I was victim blaming me. He said it's because he wanted to see if that was the massage or if it was something else. But then the second. Yeah, time and the second time it was worse. Like the first time it was just some some like weird ass cupping like. <laughs> And then the second time he laid me in this table in the back and he was flapping my ass cheeks open and close. Yeah. He was stretching my arm and making it. I shouldn't be Why am I laughing? Like, see, I shouldn't technically be laughing. <laughs> because it's funny because I'm a guy. And I'm I know, not it's terrible. I was even going to say, like, like, did you have to go back a second time to make sure you didn't like it? Like, I <laughs> well, I walked out. I, I, I gave him a tip. I guess that that's just like, oh, you should have left and been like, don't do what, you mean, cash tip or, uh, you know, like a. Well, <laughs> I gave him more than the tip, Charlie. Hey. <laughs> Um, it was literally Harold when Harold came up and told me he was like he the guy was making Harold like touch his balls like with his arm he was like stretching his arm and that's isn't terrible. that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Rhiannon, like I like I don't know how far you but you could do a bit like I, I that was kind of funny when you said that like if you wanted to do like a dark bit about 
like your twin brother being sexually assaulted more often than you. Yeah, because like, I mean, I'm no, I'm no, uh, I'm not a, like I've been sexually assaulted, but. There's, that's one of those horrible things that you could like turn, like turn, like that's one of those terrible things that like comedians use as fuel. I probably will. I probably will try to write something about that. Cause I was writing, uh, I was writing more about like, like my recent materials, just like been stuff that's like hap- that has happened to me this year. Um, but, so, and I've kept like some of the old stuff that I've like been like trying to like rework and like reword from like my sets at not very funny. That's what a lot of people don't understand is like uh, how you have to have that horrible thing. Yeah. <laughs> Trauma makes people funny. I actually, I actually wrote uh, like, th- this is like beat, like, what do they say? Like you explaining the joke basically, but I wrote yeah. an essay for my nonfiction creative writing class about comedians. Really? And like why they use different things for humor. And like, I was like doing like a compare and contrast of like Seinfeld and Richard Pryor. Oh, really? Because obviously Pryor had the more traumatic life. I mean, he, and like, mm. because if you, I don't know if you guys saw it, but at the beginning of Seinfeld's Jerry before Seinfeld special that came out in 2017, mm. he was standing outside of his childhood home. Yeah. Long Island. Yeah. He was like, Would I have been funnier if I grew up in Peoria in a whorehouse raised by prostitutes? Absolutely. <laughs> to work with. Yeah. And it's like, and I think that's like something to be said about like trauma is like, it has to be traumatic, but like the level of trauma is so different. Like, yeah. like for Seinfeld tr- and like Sebastian Maniscalco, trauma is when someone wears flip flops to the airport. <laughs> Like, that's a traumatic experience for them to see. And, like, I feel like a lot of people would disagree with that because they probably like, don't understand what I'm trying to say. But it's, yeah. like, whatever you find horrible is, yeah. like, what you have to use. Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> me and Harold uh, had, like, an interesting childhood where we, like, um, I mean, we were, like, really, like, ug- really, really ugly. Like <laughs> Harold, I saw some photos of you when you were a kid. And I mean, like, <laughs> I, I, well, actually, you guys are lucky because you went the opposite direction. See, I was a cute kid. <laughs> you peaked too early, Charlie. You peaked when you were like six or seven. Yeah, I peaked at a solid seven, and uh, I wasn't really getting any action back then, and uh, it hasn't gotten any better. <laughs> it's only fallen off. You could use your comedy to get girls. But I'm you- pretty sure that's how Dave Attell is the only <laughs> Like that's the only reason that hey, it works. Hey, it's it works. It never worked for me. People love funny guys. But I'm sorry, what were you saying, Rhiannon, about like your childhood? <laughs> well, me and <laughs> like a therapist. What were you saying about yeah, your childhood, Rhiannon? Um, we were like really ugly kids. Like we were like <laughs> it was like problematic. And in Brazil, people tend to be very honest with you. If you're like ugly, if you're like fat, if you're not doing well at something they're like it's like the most blunt people in the world brazilians are so blunt my i remember i was eight years old two of my aunts like my great aunts took me into a bedroom and they were like you're ugly you're fat and you're never gonna find love (laughs) have to do something and they were right and now now you're in a relationship with uh like a george clooney-esque soon-to-be doctor (laughs) <laughs> so you showed don't give him that much credit he's probably gonna listen to this and hear that <laughs> I, I always pick like i always like pick on garrett for being too good looking whenever i see him 
I, I remember I told Garrett, I was like, if I looked like you, I would be so much meaner than I already am. You <laughs> 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 would be so um, No, so then, like, whenever me and Harold would, like, run on the beach, like, people would, like, yell, run, fatties, run. <laughs> like, Which was a good motivator. Good motivator. We would run. But it was, like, usually homeless people who would, like, go sit by the tree. And, who and are they like, to talk? They, oh, they're mean. They don't even care. Like, they're go mean. get a home, hobo. <laughs> they were so self-aware. They would just be mean us. Like, sometimes it would be, like, moms would yell. It was yeah. just... You can tell it like homeless person, like you know how you get fat, you can afford to eat. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, was, but yeah, that's like a our like least traumatic kind of thing. Then we had like a lot of crazy, like fucked up family. But I mean, that's what you know. What Mark Twain, I think, it's attributed to is you know, uh, tragedy plus time equal. What is it? Time plus tragedy time plus, time plus comedy, comedy equals time. <laughs> it's a, it's a time plus <laughs> no, that's like. Or comedy. Wait. Yeah. Tragedy plus, plus time, time equals comedy. It's something like that. And it humor equals- humor equals tragedy plus time. Yeah. Okay. That feels right. Because Mark Twain was a humorist. Yeah. Wouldn't Harold, do you someday aspire to win the uh, Mark Twain prize? <laughs> uh, I, I aspire to, to fade into obscurity, Charlie. <laughs> that's an horrible <laughs> aspiration that's like when pete holmes in, in crashing is like yeah i'm just gonna be a, a club guy you know it's I'm just gonna and, be club. And that, <laughs> that would be the dream is to just be a like a a locally famous comedian like just clubs and, dream? that would be the dream just that's like to to that people happen. know i'm the best but only a few people Honestly, like, I mean, I, I love stand-up, don't get me wrong, but I think if I could have anyone's career, it would be Larry David's. Oh, really? I mean, he's rich as fuck. He's a... Well, no, I know, but, like... He, he didn't stand up. I would, like, he wrote the greatest sitcom of all time, and then, like, he got older, and then now he gets to do his show exactly how he wants. He doesn't have to listen to anyone. Yeah. I mean, Larry David has pulled it off, and he's adored. Yeah. yeah, he's. It's just because he's just so like unapologetically like that guy that people. I think it's just like endearing at this point. People are just like, oh, that's that's Larry David. It's like charming. I, I would you want to have a a show, Charlie? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, that's. I would never want that. Stand up is like the the be all end all for me. I'm pretty sure I, you want to get your TV show. What'd you say? You do stand up to get your TV show. That's yeah, is that what is that what I'm supposed to be doing this for? Yeah, Seinfeld, Seinfeld, Pete Holmes <laughs> crashing. Um, Don Rickles got a uh, um, C C what is it? CPO Sharky, I think it was. And then, um, yeah, everybody Dangerfield get, got to do movies. Mm-hmm. Like that's the whole point. Like you do. Kevin Hart went from stand up to every. Now he's a hat. <laughs> the ideal career for me would be like like Gerard Carmichael. Like he put out two good specials. He was a killer. Now you'd never even hear from him. He has no social media. He just does whatever he wants. You don't have social media, so you're like halfway there, I guess. Harold, I feel like your dream career should be Maniscalco's, of all people. 
Like he's like one of the highest paid comedians in the world and he never did like any TV shows or movies or anything like that. Yeah, and he sold out MSG like four times. He's just now doing movies. Like he, he played a crazy Joe Gallo in The Irishman. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I saw that. It, I was like, oh my God, is this Sebastian Maniscalco? He, he was still Maniscalco even. Oh, yeah, he couldn't, he couldn't change it. How about his, uh, his cousin like killed that guy? I know that's like, did crazy. he kill him or did he just chase him out? He I killed him one and chased the other one off. That's hilarious that I, they broke into his house and he it completely backfired. You don't mess you don't go into like an old school Italian's house, man. I feel like Maniscalco probably has an AK forty seven under his bed or something, like the comedian. <laughs> uh, did you like the Irishman? Oh yeah, I love the Irishman. I liked it too. I liked it too. My dad, uh, <laughs> I thought my dad would like it because my dad like knew a lot of like guys and he would, he was like talking. He was like, oh yeah, one of, one of the guys that got mentioned, oh, he got blown up. He got his legs blown off. He got his legs blown <laughs> Yeah, my dad, he was like. He, he was in like, yeah, he, he was up. like, <laughs> he was around Atlantic City when it first started and all that. So he knew a lot of those guys. Yeah. Oh man, that's crazy. And then going back to you'd like my dad. I think you and my dad would be good friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only going to New York if you're if your dad's visiting as well. You know what? I'll tell him. You're also welcome in Steubenville anytime. Ethan <laughs> fucking <laughs> is running with that welcome. <laughs> is it crazy? Since I've already been to New York City a couple times, I kind of want to go to Steubenville more because I want to see the home of Dean Martin. And the, oh my uh, dad, we'll, show you, we'll show you the mural. I want to see the mural. Like, we'll show you the mural. How far away are you from us? I'm assuming quite far because what, like, Steubenville's like almost toward Virginia, isn't it? No, so it's like right. Do you know where Pittsburgh is? Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah, so it's like right, like it's about 40 minutes away from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It borders West Virginia, Steubenville. But it does. Oh, it, okay, West Virginia. That's what. Yeah. I, okay, yeah, it borders West Virginia. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in the upper west corner. I, I'm close. I'm like. I'm like 50 minutes away from Michigan. Oh, so you're probably like, you're probably, probably like four hard. hours away. Yeah, it's, uh, I'd have to like drive across the state of Ohio. Yeah, you're probably like Oxford kind of like that same kind of distance. Yeah, I'm like three and a half hours away from Oxford. But yeah, we can keep on talking about travel plans off of Mike. Like I, <laughs> I feel like a huge, what was that? My here? laptop is going to die in seven minutes and I can't charge it. Okay, well, that's a good – I appreciate you bringing this to a natural close. This uh, <laughs> <laughs> laptop's going to die. I, but uh, So let me – before uh, Harold, like, Harold's laptop dies, just thank you guys again for coming on. I mean I, – Oh, I it's a pleasure, fun. Charlie, really. Charlie. I hope you guys had fun. I, I knew it was going to be a good episode because you two are just so interesting and funny to talk to just naturally. Oh, uh, you don't got to butter us up, Charlie. You've got us on already. No, that's what you do at the end. You do the fake nice at the end. But <laughs> it's protocol. Let them handle it. But no, what I was saying, like, is, and you'll hear a lot of famous comedians say it, is like, it's important to not be funnier off stage than you are on stage. And like, like a lot of people like have to try, like they're always trying to be funny off stage. Mm-hmm. Like they, and you guys don't even have to try. You're just like those two naturally funny people that you know you're going to have a good time when you jump into a conversation, which makes perfect uh, amateur podcast guests. Uh, <laughs> that, that's how I feel about you, Charlie. Yeah, we talk about you all the time, Charlie. Well, I appreciate that. And I want to have a glass of wine with you and your dad. And <laughs> Oh, please, please come to Steubenville. Please come to Steubenville. Literally, you and my dad would hit it off. 
nice. It would be great. You guys would share bottles and bottles of wine. <laughs> Sounds like a perfect, uh, perfect evening. We'll, we'll, let's go crack open a bottle of vino next to the Dean Martin mural next to all the heroin addicts. That's Hell yeah. We could be like the Steubenville <laughs> winos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks a lot. Of course. Oh,